G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. Hello everyone, it's Jen Frost here from the Reality Check Podcast. And Tim Henry from The Grass is Greener. Tim and I have come together once again and we are so excited to release our series all about kickstarting your 2022. We're diving right into a whole lot of topics taking them head on and we know that they're going to be topics to get you fired up in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. This is all about decoding these financial aspects of our lives that we really just want to get on top of and rest easy at night. So Tim, I am super excited to launch into the next episode. Let's get started. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. Well, welcome back to Jen, the ultimate episode, the last episode of our Kickstart 2022. Welcome. How are you? Oh my goodness, can you believe it? 13 episodes of Kickstart Your 2022. It's been a really great ride and here we are in the last episode of the series, Timothy. I think we decided three months in, one quarter of the way into the year was a we couldn't really keep leading with the word kickstart, could we? Well, I, I, it's, I think it's nice and clean for me, Tim. I think a quarter is is a yes. good benchmark to sort of say, you know, I go into every year I go into it with all these beautiful kind of New Year's resolutions and, and great intentions and deliberate actions to take yeah. to, to make sure that the year is going to be better than the one that, that went before it. But it takes time and people are busy. So I think yeah. this is a good kind of grounding to go, right, we're a quarter down of 2022. Where are we at? Where are our heads at with our financial situations? And the cool thing is, look, we covered off. We've covered off on investing. Yeah, all the different new ways of investing, as well as traditional ways, we've touched on mortgage interest yep. rates. We've touched on super life insurance, with life insurance yep. wills. Um, so we've covered a, a fair breadth of, of topics. Yeah. Now we today, which is really great. I'm glad that you came up with this idea for us to go through the actual facilitators of this work. And talk about what each one of them does and, and where they fit in and where they don't fit in and how you might go about choosing the right ones. So um, great idea, Jen. Yeah, well, I think this is one that often, Tim, I get queries through from yeah. through the reality check is people saying, who do I go to for advice? Who do I go to to help? How do I find someone? How do I know I can trust them? You know, who do I go to for this versus this? And and they that is complex. You know, yeah. I think, again, like all things with both of our podcasts, we take things for granted because we work in this industry and we don't realise that our audience aren't always sure, you know, who do I go to to trade my 
my shares versus who do I go to for comprehensive yeah, financial advice versus who do I go to for tax? Really different things. So I think you and I are going to try and smash through this today, talk about the experts and what they do, but as you said, also talk about how do we find someone how do we source it? How do we know we can trust them? All of those sorts of things. Cool. Well, I, I thought we should probably kick off with someone that most of us need at least once a year, <laughs> and that is an accountant. So why don't we start off with accountants Yeah, and absolutely. talk about what they do. Most people, I guess, would be pretty um, knowledgeable on that. Well, look, I think for a, a real lot of the population, seeing an accountant is a tax return. And, yeah. and and perhaps for a real lot of us, there is absolutely no need for an accountant outside of our tax return. And some people do that online on, on their own. You know, if you don't have a business of your own, if you don't have complex financial structures, you, you may not need an accountant out yeah. of that. So let's call it pretty quick, Tim. Accountants are our tax specialists absolutely the people to go to when you a want your tax return done or b when you want to set up any sort of other financial structure and you're looking at the tax implications because generally tim correct me if i'm wrong most other specialists that we'll talk about today shouldn't and couldn't give you advice on tax that is very specific very very important that you go to a qualified accountant when it comes to tax matters and i think especially with structures you know um quite often we will get people coming to us saying you know our existing clients even saying well what do you think about this someone said i should set up a family trust or something like that um you know we're, we're very quick to say look you need to go and speak to an accountant about that because they're the experts in that area about the structures. Yeah. Of course, we've got some knowledge, but we're, we're not experts. So um, I think it's important to distinguish there that there's probably accountants that specialise in business type um, yeah. clients. Yeah, absolutely. There's some that specialise just in personal, or probably what we call the mum and dad type, um, you know, basic tax return. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there might be businesses that do a bit of both, but uh, yeah. re- really important to understand that, I think. Yeah, and, and Tim, I think one of the things I'd like to call out is that the line between an accountant and a financial advisor, which I think is the natural one to talk about next, Tim, that line is often blurry. So often when I'm speaking to people and saying it, it may be beneficial to go and get personalised advice, their response is often, but I have an accountant. I yeah. go to an accountant already. So I think it's important to be clear about that. We've got plenty of accountants out there who operate uh, with things like self-managed super funds because there is significant tax yeah. uh, complication and, in, and really fundamentally important that you're getting tax advice that is appropriate where self-managed super funds are involved. But accountants are not by nature licensed to give you advice on underlying investments or things like financial strategy or mm. trailing for your financial goals. So, Well, let's let's chat about that in, in respect to, say, a self-managed super fund, Jan. Yeah, absolutely. um, The accountant would be very involved in that. Heavily. Because a a self-managed super fund has to do a return and an audit every year, don't they? Yeah, absolutely right. So self-managed super funds, both of us have talked about these in various episodes prior. So this is where you are the trustee of your super fund. You are running it yourself. But we know that sort of self-managed super fund is a bit of a play on words really because there aren't many people out there who truly could self-manage it. So, in fact, they're managed in line with perhaps both a financial advisor and an accountant. As you said, there are 
very strict rules around the governance of a self-managed super fund and accountants are intrinsically involved in in the reporting and mm. certainly the tax calculations around the self-managed super fund and they so, can be very yeah. complex. And I sort of think where, so that's the classic case where it is a structure, a self-managed super fund is a structure. So a an accountant definitely and would probably recommend to their clients from time to time this structure could work for you you know if you've got a if you're about to buy a factory or a small office in your business uh, you could put it in your your self-managed super fund so they can recommend the structure where the the laws have chopped in in the last few years is said the accounts can no longer give advice on how the funds are within the fund are invested yeah so you, you either choose to do that yourself and work that out or you go and see someone that is licensed to do that. Yeah, exactly right. And that's where an advisor steps in. So yeah. a licensed certified financial advisor is there to help could you. could be a stockbroker. Absolutely, yeah. And that's yeah. another one actually we'll talk about. We'll talk yeah. about that one, absolutely. So let's go really quickly, Tim, talking about a financial advisor. So obviously over the last few years in particular, financial advisors from uh, an education and yeah. um, uh from an education perspective, that has grown significantly with financial advisors. So those still in the business are coming from a place with really strong qualifications. There's things like the financial advisor register that will include a link on just to ensure that um, financial advisors are registered correctly. Could you, as our in-house advisor, could you tell me kind of what are the key things that people come to you or a financial advisor for? Well, I think they again. It's there's a breadth of different types. So you've got financial advisors who are really honing on just wanting to invest your money mainly. So they're really investment focused. So um, you've got some that are focused on helping businesses. You've got some that are focused on doing insurances, life insurances, and that sort of thing. And then you've got some probably like our business, which is a bit more broad and we're really wanting to help people just with their financial life, their financial well-being and marry their life goals to a financial plan. And so people are really going to get that extra specialised knowledge. You know, yeah, They've got some vision of what they want to do and they need someone just to help with an infrastructure to help them put that together and, and having the knowledge of both the rules out there that they can take advantage of and also the products is just um, it helps them build a plan that's going to take them on the journey they want to go on. Absolutely. And I've often spoken about it being a little bit like, you know, a personal trainer. So, you know, I often say I'm I know that if I exercise more, I feel better, that my weight is at a, a place <laughs> yeah. I want it to be, that I have more energy, et cetera. But I don't always know the right exercise to do. I'm I'm not always able to stick to the goals that I set out. And a, a personal trainer comes in and tells me how to do things in, in the technical way so I don't get hurt, talks to me about appropriate exercise at different times of my life so that I'm targeting different parts of my body. And in turn, they keep me on the straight and narrow. And I think financial advisors for me, are often really similar to that in that, you know, they're, they're looking at your financial um, financial situation holistically and yeah. setting you up on this plan that is, you know, it's not a, a quick fix. It's not a one appointment with a financial advisor and you're 
wealthy and money's flying <laughs> everywhere. It's it's more uh, um, ensuring you're in the right direction. Well, probably think of it this way. There's similarities there with, say, if you had an ongoing relationship with a financial advisor, that's the personal trainer. Yeah, you're going there regularly, you're getting challenged and that sort of thing. But there is still very much a valid um, uh, function for people just maybe needing one-off or single issue type advice yep. where it's just like, I want to want you to set me up with this and I'll take it from here. I'm self-motivated and I'll sort it Absolutely. out myself. I just need an initial help to get something sorted out. So I guess yep. in the personal trainer example, that's someone qualified giving you a real plan that you absolutely. can go and then work then on yourself. And take it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Tim. Now, I want to focus on a few more of the the financial experts yeah. that are in our life. So we've spoken about accountants from a tax perspective, financial advisors from perhaps a more holistic financial plan and making things like investment and product decisions. Let's talk about investments a little bit more. Um, another one, I've often had people come to me and say, I don't want advice. Yeah. I want to trade shares. I want to buy shares. How do I go about doing that? And we've spoken before that you can go online and do that yourself or who who would be the expert to go to in terms of just trading shares for you? Well, obviously, pe- most people would know of, of a stockbroker. I think um, anyone over a certain age watched um, Michael Douglas in Wall Street or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, the stockbrokers, uh, really they have their ear to the ground on the actual companies that are out there doing things and how they're performing. Uh, it's really interesting when you talk to a stockbroker because they're very attuned to um, all sorts of industries and, and things that are happening in the world. So Absolutely. they probably are trying, They again, a bit like um, any investment type advisor, they they probably set up their clients with a good sound portfolio of shares, but then they're maybe also looking for opportunities, opportunities around that too um so for people who are trying to do it themselves yeah they've got to they've got to try and read up on that knowledge whereas if they have a stockbroker who charges them probably a bit of brokerage i guess i think they do sometimes charge them ongoing fees as well don't they jen mm. um it just means they can ring them anytime they want and say what do you think Yep. Or in turn, brokers can be what we'd refer to as execution only. So right. that means that, you know, me being the person who, let's say I have a self-managed super fund or I just have a, some cash in stocks yes. and I just want someone to trade them for me, then that yes. is also right. where brokers cool. come into play. So, And a lot of people would find that handy. Absolutely. But, but I know for a fact that a lot of people would love to work with someone that is proactively giving them a call saying we've got an opportunity. What do you exactly think? Exactly right. And, and 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 again, there's plenty of people out there doing that sort of yeah. thing. So, um, I'm gonna stay on brokers because there's a couple of different using the term brokers. There's probably a couple of different ones in our life. We've spoken about stock brokers, mortgage brokers. Yeah, that's a really big one. And we know that mortgage brokers, Tim, come in in quite a few different forms. So, yes. we've got plenty of independent mortgage brokers in our industry. Uh, we've got mortgage brokers who are also perhaps known as home loan consultants or home and investment managers or depending on what brand you're under, Um, they're affiliated. So whether it's at one of your top four banks or one of the big mortgage providers, there is brokers or consultants that work within a single brand. So um, these are incredibly useful people. 
I um, am a strong, strong believer of the role of a mortgage broker mm, um, and certainly for anyone who has listened into any of the Kickstart 2022 series or is listening in now, um, having a good chat with someone about what your, how your mortgage is structured and certainly what interest rate you're paying, particularly, again, as we sit down the barrel of potential interest yeah. rate changes this year. So, But when you speak to the mortgage, and look, the, the thing about a broker, full stop, stockbroker, mortgage broker, insurance broker, whatever, I think the the advantage of dealing with them is they uh, look across the whole network of products and and opportunities. So, in some ways, you're paying them to to do that for you because you know, if you walk into the bank, um, pretty sure they're only going to sell you their product. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so the beauty of the mortgage broker is they can say, "Look, we deal with everyone, yeah. and we'll go shopping for you, and we'll find the best deal for you." Yes, and you know, I think mortgage brokers, when you speak to them, they probably get a bit frustrated that people only want to talk to them about interest rates because there's lots of other factors that go into a good mortgage, and an a mortgage that's good for someone. The interest rate is one of those big factors, but um, not the only one. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I, you know, I would say from a personal perspective, I've had a relationship with my mortgage broker for five, six, whatever years. Yeah. And he is just worth his weight in gold. You know, I'm, I'm so lucky to have him in for exactly all those reasons. You know, it's checking in with him regularly, ensuring that we're listening. He, he's sort of got his ear on the ground across the market. Yeah. He's not aligned to anything. As I said, you can walk into your bank or your mortgage provider and speak to the person in there as well because they it very might, well. That might be good. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. And able to look at what the best deal is that that house yeah. can give you, that that brand can give you. So mortgage brokers, uh, sorry, well, you go, Tim. I was just going to say, um, were you finished on mortgage brokers? Yeah, we're done with mortgage brokers. <laughs> I was going to touch in on solicitors now because yes. similarly with solicitors, there's different specialties, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And solicitors, again, uh, interesting solicitors, obviously, lawyers, and often we might feel like, well, I don't need a lawyer unless I get into, into yeah. trouble. Um, again, if you own your own business, you're perhaps more likely to have had yep. to deal with a solicitor. Um, those of us who have bought a house, that might be the first time that you've dealt with um, a solicitor. But and, and, and all of those sorts of aspects that we've just yep. mentioned. Solicitors also um, come into play when we talk about that whole of financial security and financial well-being and their personal finances through our estate planning. Yeah, and, and, and there will be solicitors that do a, dabble in a few things. There might be generalists, but there's yeah. definitely specialist estate planning solicitors and I think more and more that's really important. Absolutely. And so let's be clear again, tune back into our um, episode on wills. I can't remember what number that was, Tim, maybe <laughs> four, five, six, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that's, that's um, early on. Somewhere in the middle. But yes, I think it's fundamentally important to understand that solicitors are the people who A, can help you write your will. Yeah. B, can help you with all of the complex structures that may exist around your estate planning. So things like testamentary trusts that you and I spoke about, guardianship of our children. Um, in fact, broader trusts, trust structures that might exist in terms of some of your investment planning or estate planning. Because, so, you know, I would love a dollar for every time someone has said to me, oh, no, my sister's um, works at a legal firm, so she's she can probably help me out with my estate plans. Like, oh, really? Well, is she a solicitor for a start? <laughs> do they do um, estate planning? I'm not sure. Yeah, so um, it's it really is about, I, I think, getting the specialists involved 
no matter what you're doing is is ideal because you're then going on i might go really narrow on this but i'm just going to sort out this problem with someone who does this every day yeah yeah absolutely and i think that's the most important thing here tim is no one's saying that you're incapable of doing it on your own any of these things it's it's more saying by going to one of the specialists this is this is the opportunity to actually be able to say Am I getting this right? Am I utilising everything that's available to me? And certainly when that comes into play with things like both accountants and financial advisors where we're ensuring that we're operating within the legal structures, within the regulatory confines, ensuring things like we're maximising our taxation capacity, really fundamentally important and and complex. So I think that's the thing. Now, Jen, you work for a big investment company um, and they have super funds and that sort of thing. So you can have advisors or consultants that just talk about super, can't you, when you ring those companies. So people do have access to some form of consultancy even just with their their fund. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that I often say, Tim, is if you – have a superannuation account and you don't know where to get started, if you're not sure if you want to go Mm. and get full financial advice, I would always recommend as a first point of call that you call your provider. You know, certainly know that the company I work for that goes across various superannuation platforms, we want to help our clients. That absolutely we want to help them. The thing I want to be clear about, Tim, though, and this perhaps is a good technicality that's worth you and I addressing, it's a very, very big difference between what we in the industry call general advice versus personalised advice. So, Tim, you are qualified, registered and trained to provide personalised advice and that means that if I go and see someone like Tim, he he has a requirement to ask me lots and lots of questions about me before he is he's able to give advice because he has to understand yeah. Lots of different things about my personal personal circumstances, particularly around my finances. Now, if we call, for example, our superannuation fund or in turn this same thing relates with a lot of the information that you are getting through things like podcasts or online, through blogs, through, through all sorts of things, this is general advice. This means that yeah. whoever is listening, whoever is talking doesn't know anything about you who is listening. Therefore, anything that is said it's general. It's general and it cannot be taken as something yeah. that may benefit you because something that might benefit you might detriment the person next to you or vice versa. Yeah, so that's, that's something, right. Tim, to be really, really aware of. Well, this, uh, gee, Jen, you're so good at just um, bringing us beautifully into the next little section. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us into this uh, section called called. Influences. <laughs> I wanted to say how easy you could say that. Finfluencers. Yeah, you wouldn't want to keep saying that quickly. <laughs> no, finfluencers. Um, now this has really been topical because law the laws are gonna start tightening down on finfluencers. But for those that don't know what a finfluencer is, mm, um, yeah, exactly. I want I mean, you I to worry. try and say the word and then <laughs> and then tell our audience what well, let's be honest, finfluencer is definitely a, a very made-up word combining yeah. finance and influencer. So we know that there is a lot of a lot of noise out there, which is in most in most aspects wonderful. There are yeah. brilliant people on Instagram, on LinkedIn, producing podcasts like our own, um, writing blogs, doing videos on YouTube, all sorts of things in the name of promoting financial well-being and and promoting financial security. And I. Yeah. 
am all about that so long as it's done in a safe and responsible way. And I think the problem, Tim, that we have started to see is that people are um, pushing products and they're giving advice. And, you know, I hope that our audience would realize that at no point have, have either of us, nor would we say, you should go and buy this, or you should put your money here. And we don't say that because we don't know you and, and we have no idea whether that's right for you because there is no one size fits all. So even in these podcasts, we have, you know, we've got to be really careful that we don't actually recommend like, we're providing options. We're talking about different options all the time. Um, but telling someone that they should do something and then potentially in the worst case of a influencer would be that you're telling them to do something which they financially benefit from. Yeah. It's sort of funneling people into. Yeah. Um, a and, and you have got to be like careful that. because that's that's the reality of a lot of this stuff. You know, yeah. we know that, for example, um, plenty of influencers are paid to promote products on Instagram, and the same right. thing goes with financial influencers or finfluencers. That's right. Yeah. You know, they're they're not promoting a brand or a product out of the goodness of their heart. They're perhaps promoting it. They may still genuinely think that it's great, but they're promoting it because there is a financial gain at the end of it. So yeah, I think it, it is great that there is law cracking down on this and I think it it perhaps again Tim flows really nicely into the wrap up of this episode because I think it's really important you and I talk about how does someone find a good financial advisor how does someone ensure that the finfluencer that they're following on Instagram online or wherever is someone that is legitimate and worth listening to as opposed to the next person who perhaps isn't and they're tricky questions right Tim yeah, well, they are and they're not, I reckon, because they can get tricky because trying to understand what all, all these people do it can be tricky. But it comes back to a simple question. What do you want to get from the relationship? And I think if you're really clear on why you're coming to see someone and you're hitting that person between the eyes with, can you help me do this? Yeah. And not yeah. letting them waffle on and take your off on some other um path path yeah Yeah. i mean you've that's if you're i just think the best relationships are when and i love it when people come in here and they know exactly they might know exactly everything about um all the intricacies but they know why they're here and they know what where they want us to do and they're judging us on that which is, is is really good yeah, and Tim, look, again, I think one of the most common questions I get is I want a financial advisor. How do I find one? Where do yeah. I go? And I think, Tim, I'd like to address a couple of things with this one. Um, the first is to ask your friends and family. That, for me, is absolute number one. It's funny, finance, the reason you and I are so passionate about this is people don't talk about finances, you know, yeah, and right. often we've grown up in an environment where we talk about everything other than religion, politics, and finances. You know, we don't talk about that stuff. So sometimes you actually need to go out of your way and jump on the WhatsApp group with your school mum network (laughs) or, you know, jump on the family chat group or next time you're at a barbecue, actually say, I'm looking for a financial yeah. advisor. Does anyone know of one? Because yeah, or a mortgage broker or an or a mortgage broker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Account, another one. Great one. Yeah. You know, really, really that that personal recommendation is the best because people are only going to recommend someone who they've had a good relationship with. So yeah. number one is a personal recommendation. Number two is doing your research. Now, when we do our research, this comes with complexity as well because often with things like financial advisors, they are all small business owners and if they don't have an online presence, it 
it doesn't mean that they aren't a good financial advisor. No, and I think that's sure. important to call out. You know, there's plenty of people out there who don't operate online, don't have a social media presence, don't have really fla- fancy websites. So They may not need to, Jen. They've got right, so sought know, after. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, yeah. and you just got to take that with a grain of salt because I think I know that even myself, Tim, I can be judgmental. Oh, they don't even have a website. Oh, ugh, this website's yeah. awful, you know, judgmental. Be a bit clear about that. So, Tim, we'll include some links, but things like um, jumping on the Money Smart Financial Advisor yes. registry is a really good place really to important. go. Super easy, takes 30 seconds. Type in a name, hit enter, find the advisor that you're looking for, and that will tell you what advice they're licensed to give and it will tell you a little bit about their history, where they've where they've been, how long they've been in the industry, those sorts of things. So, Jen, number one thing you're achieving there, because I think we should get this um, in, in bold letters, is that they are actually registered. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't find a financial advisor on that register, yeah. do not go to them because yeah. it so means they're not registered. So this is the case in Sydney with Melissa Caddick. Yeah. Um, she actually was not registered. So she was posing as a financial advisor, was not licensed. Yeah. And it convinced people to give her heaps of money. And mm. so has any of those people... Um, looked her up on that register, they would have realised she wasn't on there. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I think that's really important. Let, let's go on even one step further. Certainly when it comes to financial advisors, Tim, there is legislation around certain documents being provided to you. So one of those yep. is what we call an FSG, a financial services guide. In that instance, though, she did have one of those, a fake one. A fake? Well, and yeah. I suppose you're absolutely right. That's so, right. But, so that so, car yeah. register is unfakeable, Tim. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, Tim, I want to, you actually just brought up another one because I think it is important that we talk about this fear of, you know, when it comes to, so A, there's advice or going to see an accountant, yeah. going to see a solicitor, going to see a broker. What happens when we actually money changes hands? Yeah, and I think is, this is, yeah. you know, I think it's one you and I have spoken about a bit, Tim, because we hear of these scams. You know, yep. we hear of, of some of this fraudulent behaviour and it's amazing how nine times out of ten that has come as a result of someone paying directly. Yes, too. And to I think that's one thing that even people sometimes would ask us if they haven't dealt with some, a financial advisor before, they really do think that they're giving us the money. And, yeah. you know, we're sort of saying, well, no, we'll help you open an account either with an investment company or a super company or an insurance company, you're going to transfer the money to them. Yeah. Um, the money is never coming through our pocket. No. Uh, so it's in a regulated environment going from a bank to one of these regulated accounts. So in the in those scam situations, I don't even know of one locally here, an accountant who ripped a lot of people off, um, had said to their clients um, that there was a, some sort of trust uh, trick that he had to um, reduce the tax that they'd pay and that sort of thing. And so the money got paid to him first and he on paid it to the ATO. Now that would be just a, <laughs> I just would not deal with someone who asked me to transfer money to them. And I know someone who went to that account who left the second that he asked him to do that because he's like, well, why would I need to pay money to you, not directly to the tax office? Yeah. What he was doing was falsifying the tax returns and making them lower to make and then cut. sending them and, and keeping some for himself. Yeah. Melissa Caddick had 
convince people to give her the money directly. And she was just giving them fake investment yeah. statements saying you, yeah. you got a great return. Meanwhile, the money was getting spent out the back door. So, so I think that's a really important yeah, one. Because, really important. Yeah. Generally speaking, you know, yes, there's instances where advice fees are paid directly, you know, paid in cash. They don't want to be paid out of, of product. Yes. And that's absolutely fine. And and I would assume that you would receive an invoice and things would be appropriate. Well, you're in that paying sense. someone for a, for a service. A fee. You're not getting that money back. That's not your money. You, Correct. You're, you're paying a service. You're paying. That's right. Where things like, as you said, you know, when we're doing a superannuation rollover, that's that's going from institution to institution. There's not yep. there's not an advisor in the middle. So, Tim, I think perhaps in summary, you know, these things it can feel overwhelming trying to find someone. I would strongly recommend looking for referrals, yep. looking for reviews, finding out very clearly from the expert, from the advisor themselves or from the accountant or from the lawyer, you know, what do they charge? What sort of services do they offer? You know, really being yeah. involved in the process, being and constant. being clear, being but, clear yeah. on what is that person doing for you. Yeah. Um, the yeah. other types of thing I'll just touch on, one last thing I've seen a lot um, over the years is people dealing with someone, either a financial advisor or an accountant or something, and next minute, that person is starting to tell uh, the client about property opportunities that they should invest in. And it's like, yeah, I know I've had a number of clients over the years that have come and said, what do you think of this that my account's saying or whatever? And it's like, well, I just would get my property advice from a property person mm. <laughs> and yeah. my accounting advice from the accounting person. When they all start trying to cross, yeah, cross it's like this something, not mm. saying that it's illegal, but it might no. not be in your best interest. There's someone's trying to make money out of something else. Yeah. And look, and I think that's I think that's really fundamentally important is that we just realize that there is commercial enterprise in small business yeah, and sure. and these professionals are there to help you, but if they're trying to cross sell or upsell or sell something else or recommend something outside of their scope, then chances are they they're probably doing it yeah. for a reason. And and so. you should feel like you can ask very direct mm. questions and get direct answers. And if you don't get direct answers, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be hanging around. Yeah, absolutely, Tim. Tim Henry from The Grass is Greener. Jen. We have officially kick-started our 2022 and now it's we time have. just to get on with it. I know. We're, we're going to have a little get the tissues out after this. <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you every week, Tim, and to our beautiful audience members. It's been so great. I'm sure we'll get back together at some stage to tackle some topics. But, I do um, not doubt it. Um, no doubt. Uh, both podcasts, uh, The Reality Check and The Grass is Green, you'll be able to um, hear us individually um, from here on in for a while. Absolutely. Tim, audience, thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening in and Tim and I will speak to you very soon. See you. Bye. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.